All right. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Cornelius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So like I said, we're talking about Christmas this couple of weeks, and there's so many things we could talk about this period of time. Um, just these few verses, a uh, couple chapters in the beginning of the Gospels, um, there's lots of things that we could have talked about in terms of Christmas or up to the birth of Christ or even about the birth of Christ. We could have talked about was Mary's visit with the angel. I love talking about that every year because it's just such a powerful moment where Gabriel, the angel, just shows up to Mary and says, you are going to be of child. And she says, how is this possible? I've never been with a man. And he says, well, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you shall bring forth a son and his name shall be. And Mary says at the end of that, according to your word, be it unto me. And it is the statement of faith in the scriptures for us to walk by. According to your word, be it unto me. It's that simple. What you say, God, that settles it. That settles it. And so we could have talked about that amazing moment. We could have talked about Joseph. Joseph all of a sudden finds out his wife-to-be, his engaged wife, is pregnant. And the Bible tells us that he did not want to be mean. He wanted to put her away quietly and therefore just shuffled her, put the engagement away and shuffled her off the side and didn't say anything about her. Can you imagine the temptation? You're with someone and they get pregnant with somebody else and he's thinking he's a man at this time and he's a nice enough human being to not, not just not want to kill her, but doesn't even want to gossip about her. I've spent days talking about the character of Joseph. Like, who would do that, right? Joseph would. Must have been a man after God's heart. And so we could have talked about that today. We could have talked about Elizabeth being pregnant with John the Baptist. And all of a sudden, she goes to visit Mary while she's pregnant. And the Bible tells us that her baby leaped on the inside of her when Mary showed up. Mary showed up to see Elizabeth and her baby leaped on the inside of her just because Jesus in the womb of Mary was in the same room. And we could have talked about that, how God knows us before we're even born. Now he knit us together in our mother's womb and he ordained us and sanctioned us to be on this earth. Like God is a God that stands outside of time. We could have talked about that today. But what I want to talk about today briefly is in verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. This may take you as surprise, but when we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate the birth of Christ, did you know that Jesus at one time was a baby? We always think about him walking around in his clothes and robes and touching and healing the sick and raising the dead. But there's a time in his life where he was a baby. 
Jesus was a baby, and we see from this verse that he's so small, she wraps him in swaddling clothes and lays this baby in a manger. Jesus was a baby. Now, there's not a whole lot of scripture talking about Jesus being a baby, but it doesn't change the fact that Jesus was a baby. It talks a little bit about his birth. It talks a little bit about the shepherds showing up and worshiping him. It talks about later on where the Magi, anywhere between his birth time and two years old, of them coming to bring gifts to him. It talks about Jesus being taken to Egypt to avoid being killed by Herod. But there's not a lot of talk about being a baby in the scriptures. But the fact is he still was. He was a living, breathing, little tiny baby boy wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Now, what does it mean to be a baby? Do you realize that if Jesus wanted food, he had to like cry? Do you realize that when he was a little baby, he didn't just raise his hand up and food came across the room? And he grabbed it and milk came across the room or just the cows just started to squirt milk from the yard and towards them? No. He had to cry. Not only did he have to cry, but like any other baby had to trust that his mom would come feed him. Jesus had to be fed. Jesus had to be changed. Now, you guys are not going to want to think about this. Jesus pooped his pants. That sounds so sacrilegious. Well, it is sacrilegious to poop your pants, I guess, maybe. Jesus had pooped his diaper. And his mom had to change his diaper because Jesus pooped in it. This is not how you want me to be talking about Jesus right now. You guys look at me in the same ways when you found out that David cheated um, with Uriah's wife, with Bathsheba. You guys all got sad on me. But this is true. Jesus was a baby. Jesus had to cry. Jesus' mom had to feed him. Jesus pooped his diaper. And then he had to cry. And his mom had to come change the poop out of his diaper. I'm getting real. I'm getting graphic because this, I'm going somewhere with this. Jesus needed help. Jesus had to learn to walk. You know, he just didn't fly around the room. It's not like it's walking day and Jesus just flies like Superman. It didn't happen. He, that was Jesus trying to, you know, wiping out, falling on his butt, getting his butt bruised. Mom trying to hold him. Dad trying to hold him. And he's wiping out. This is Jesus. Our big, tough, raising people from the dead. Jesus healing the sick. Walking through crowds. Walking on water. Calming storms. And here he is. He can't even stand. Falling on his butt. Having to learn and be taught by his mom and other people how to walk. He had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to talk. We read the scripture and it's all written in red what he said. And those words, whoa. But there was a time where Jesus had to even learn how to talk before anybody ever heard those words to write them down in red. He had to learn to talk. He messed his words up. The most eloquent speaker ever to walk this earth had to learn to talk. Someone saying, no, 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 no. You pronounced that wrong. It was wild to think that Jesus was like that. Hooping his pants, falling down, learning to talk. It's a wild thing to think. Jesus needed to be comforted. He needed to be nurtured. He needed to be cared for. And he needed to be protected by other people. 
And we don't want to think about that. Because to us, he is the one that comforts. He is the one that nurtures. He is the one that cares for us. And he is the one that protects us from now into eternity. That's why it's so, so hard for us to think of it that way. But why is it important for us to stop here and look at this for a second? Why is this important? Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I just want you to sit here for a second. What God has started in you, he will complete. And one of the things we can look at that is so cool is this story of Jesus who needs to be taken care of, who needs to be cared for, who needs to protect it. But the moment he stepped off that throne to be put into Mary's womb, to be birthed on this earth, there was before that a plan before the beginning of the world even. There was a plan that this was going to take place. And what God had started, there was nothing that could stop it. Think about that for a second. Another human being could go to Jesus as a baby and literally kill him in a second. In our minds. But what God had put into motion, there was nothing that could kill him. Nothing. Because what God had started, he was going to complete in Jesus and himself. Are you hanging with me? I know it's it's kind of a brain twister here. But are 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 you coming along with me? And it's such a great story to realize that, you know, once he got to a certain age, you can kind of see that, right? He's kind of taken control of matters with his ministry on the earth. But even at that point, he wasn't. He was still doing what the father said to do. He was still saying what the father said to say. And even before he could speak, this thing was finished before it even began. Are you hearing me? 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. What God has started in us, he will complete. And I love that little story of Jesus being a baby because he looked so vulnerable. But you know what? He wasn't. Not because he was stronger than anybody else. Not because he used his magical powers. It was because God had willed something and there's no stopping what God has willed. If God wants to start something that has an end to it, there's nothing that can stop that ending. Even in hard times. And why is this important for us? How many times do we go, God, what is going on? Have you forgotten about me? Right? He's never forgotten about us. He's never left us, never forsaken us. And what he started in us, he will complete, period. And if we're going through hard times, he will complete it. I know you and I, Lauren, have talked about this many times, the different camps of Christianity, right? And it's like, charismatic, I love charismatic stuff, but we always want to think God's moving in the moment, right? It's like we get a prophecy or something. It's like God's speaking right now. But God knew about that prophecy before time began, right? But we want to just get it now, like we're having this 
And I guess it's kind of a cool part of the relationship because he is now and then. He's the beginning and the end. And both are cool, but it's just as cool to realize that you could get that same word for a month down the road in that moment. <laughs> right? He's the God. And we talk about different camps like that. And, you know, we talk about some of these camps that, that you know, like the Dutch Reform and, and different things. And his wife grew up in the Dutch Reform. And he often tells me, like, when kids go astray in that camp, they're just like, they all come back. They all come back. And they do. And they end up with their families. I mean, I'm not saying there's not situations, but just look at the thing as a whole. And so it's like, sometimes we look and think people aren't doing it right, but they got some things that they're doing real right. And that's how we have to be. We want to be in the moment, but we also have to trust God that what he started, he is going to complete. Does that make sense? Our future belongs to him. And even when times are tough, he still protects us. That's part of the story of Jesus. We talked about a time where Herod was going to kill the babies and Joseph actually was warned in a dream to take Jesus to Egypt away from what was going to take place. Always protecting what started is going to end. Colossians 3.2.3 says this, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. For you died. Talking about you spiritually, you died and your life now is hidden with Christ in God. You see, before we got saved, before we got born again, we're always worried about what's going to happen in the future. We're always worried about that. But after we get saved, we forget to get rid of all that anxiety. And we still walk in that. But Jesus all throughout the Bible saying, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Why? Because your future is hidden in him. What he started, he will complete. Set your mind on the things above. Why? Because our future is hid. We ourselves are hid in Christ, in God. Isn't that good? And so no matter what's going on in our lives, what's our, what's our, what's our move? Our move is, God, my future's in you. Not just, I'm going to do this. No, my future's in you. Okay, God, what next? Got to make sure that's in order. Our future is in him. You know, oftentimes I use this example of, about being born again. Like when we come to Christ, our Bible says we're born again. We're born anew. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When Nicodemus went to talk to Jesus, he wanted to know how to pull this off, how to get into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we talk about as Christians being born again. And Jesus likened to it to a natural birth. He like then related to a spiritual birth, being born again, born of the flesh and then born of the Spirit. And so I always ask people, when you were born physically on this earth, what part did you play in that? Right? Your mom and dad had a part maybe, right? But what part did you play in? No, you just all of a sudden ended up in this womb and all of a sudden you just come out. And how, what did you do to arrive? Nothing. What did you do to take your first breath? Nothing. What did you do to take your first look, your first sound, your first taste? Nothing. And yet we get born again and then we think it's all on us. No. Just like when we were physically born, all we need to do is work along with what's happening. Right? You get to a certain age where, okay, now you can stand up. We'll just let's work along with it. Right? A little further in life and you just start going with your growth. Same way. Is with being born again spiritually. You are on a move. 
And our goal is to just flow with that move. Just to flow with that move. It is to, it is to really to be more than to do. And we're just to flow with it. And when things don't go right, you know what? I'm not, oh man, everything's over. I'm not. I may have some bad moments, some bad seasons, but I know he's still taking me. And that's where our faith needs to lie. That's where we need to put it. Because it's the same way. I had a dream one time, kind of a vision dream one time. And all of a sudden I saw Jesus and he was riding this horse. And he was galloping. But in his hands, he had like thousands of reins. And he was just galloping. And at the ends of these reins were all these horses being ridden by Christians. And there were some of these horses that they'd go way right and wham, they'd get their head jerked back by the bit. Some going the other way, wham, their head jerked back by the bit. Some were going way ahead and they'd hit the bit and fall back. And some were like dragging through the dirt and he's just galloping. There. <laughs> yeah, but they're all moving. And then there's some that just understood you just kick up and get beside them. And they were just having a good time riding beside them. Now, everybody was moving forward. But there were some people just enjoying it a little better because they were watching what he was doing and trying to mimic it, going with them. And so we're all, if you're born again, you're going to end up in the kingdom of God. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 3, we're all going to be tested with fire. Some are going to receive a bit more on the other side than others. And some are going to barely get through as, as though escaping through a wall of flames, but they get through. If you belong to Christ, he loses none. You're through. But how do you want to ride? And our ride is let's ride with him. Let's put our faith in him, not in ourselves. Let's put our faith in him. So my final thoughts for today. We need to place our faith in the right spot. That is the fact that he is taking you, taking us from glory to glory, from faith unto faith. He is the one. We're part of his ride. And yeah, we can go left and right and put on the brakes and try to get forward and all this kind of stuff. But we're going with him. Whether you like it or not, he bought you. You're paid for. So let's kick our horses and ride up beside them. Let's try to find that rhythm with them. Let's be led by the Spirit of God. It's interesting that word, even the word led, the word of go in Greek. And I've shared this before, but it's this word that symbolizes somebody leading a horse on a loose lead. Loose lead. The horse has just learned to walk beside its master. And so that's how we need to be going. So placing our faith in the right spot. Understand that he is taking us and he is the best person to latch on to. And that his ways are always the best ways to walk in life or to ride in life. His ways. Matthew 6, 25 through 33, very famous piece of scripture. But he says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Some of you need to know that. You're more valuable than they. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a stature, can make you any bigger, any stronger, any taller? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in his all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek, the ones that don't know God, that's what they seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. We put it in hick terms. Ride beside him. Quit doing things our own ways. Quit thinking the grass is greener over there or man, I should get ahead of him or God, you're gonna, yeah, God, you're gonna follow me. No, he's not. Or God, I just don't wanna go anymore or whatever it is. His ways are always the best ways. And last verse of the day, Psalm 20, verse 7 says this, Some will trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So no matter what you're riding, he's the one we're trusting. No matter what job you're at, no matter what relationship you're in, no matter what's going on, he's the one. Not the horse you're riding, he's the one we're trusting. He's so good. I know you'll never be the same leaving here today as you walked in here. I know that. He's taken you from glory unto glory, from faith unto faith. He's so good. 